So Matthew 25, we are in the midst of a sequence of three parables where we find ourselves engaged, pardon the pun, in a wedding story. It features ten wise and foolish unmarried women. Weddings tend to be exciting and festive occasions. Many of us have either seen a wedding, been to a wedding, participated in a wedding, paid for a wedding, will pay for a wedding, or all of the above. The wedding imagery sets the tone for this parable in Matthew, where the bridegroom and bridesmaids motif address the significance of the second coming of Jesus Christ and our need for constant preparedness. As a society, we try to prepare for just about every type of natural disaster or emergency. Think about all of the bottled water that you still have stored away, your batteries and canned food in those storage spaces. The other day, I was sitting in my living room, and I heard the emergency broadcast siren testing in our community. We still have those sirens testing on our radios and on our televisions. Even the Center for Disease Control has a training document for a zombie apocalypse. See, the CDC considers this strategy as an enjoyable way to train and increase the retention of knowledge for new planners. And so just as a side note, please, please do not call Ginger on Monday checking to see if we have a zombie apocalypse plan. See, Matthew 25 invites us into a space where it is imperative for us to shed our contemporary perceptions of a wedding. Unlike our parable, most wedding receptions or banquets are over by midnight. And though I have attended a wedding in Ireland that lasted four days, but that's another story for another time. See, unlike this passage of scripture, most weddings have adequate electricity to light the pathway, and they also include a bride. In first century Palestine, a midnight gathering would not be uncommon during a marriage festival, and this parable most likely represents a historical practice. In this gospel, we have more details about the bridesmaids than the bridegroom, and here we encounter two groups of women described exactly alike, with no outward distinctions. They're all young women of marriageable age, all carried burning lamps, they all felt drowsy and fell asleep, and at a certain point they were fully ready to meet the bridegroom who is delayed. Their torches light the way in the darkness. Therefore, all the bridesmaids have to have enough oil to keep their lamps burning for as long as necessary. But during the midnight hour, the bridesmaids hear a shout informing them the bridegroom has arrived. And I'm certain we can all imagine the bridesmaids being startled awake, just as I was this morning when my dog started to bark for no apparent reason. See, at this point, the five bridesmaids immediately recognize that their lamps will go out before they meet the groom. 
the scripture aptly refers to them as being foolish. When they realized their lamps would not last long enough to continue to light the pathway. The five foolish bridesmaids and their lack of oil are a major focus of attention in this passage. This is at the point in the sermon where I'm supposed to tell you that the bridesmaids represent us as the church and the bridegroom represents Christ. Where the number of wise and foolish unmarried women is insignificant and has nothing to do with the kingdom of heaven. This is where I could say Jesus is teaching that spiritual preparedness may not be transferred from one individual to another, and all people are responsible for themselves. I could choose to engage you intellectually and describe how this passage can be viewed as an apocalyptic discourse, and we should constantly prepare for the second coming of Christ for which we do not know the time. I'm supposed to say, Matthew 25 sets the tone for the Lord's Advent, where we wait in expectation to celebrate the nativity of Jesus. And I'm sure I could say to you, Keep your lamps trimmed so you will not be caught outside the banquet door. But I cannot say all of these things in the manner in which is expected. Because all I keep thinking about are these five young women. These five young foolish women. Why didn't they know enough to take extra olive oil to keep their lamps burning? What was their relationship to the five wise women who did not tell them beforehand? See, this passage is adequate for first century Palestine, but when we study it in light of what we experience or encounter in life today, the pastoral side of me asks, What is the background story of the five foolish bridesmaids? Are they a part of a wedding feast for which they cannot afford to purchase extra oil unless absolutely necessary? How do they feel when they show up a bit later begging for entry into this banquet? Or were they just tired of always being a bridesmaid and never a bride? I know what I'm supposed to say, but what are we supposed to do? And why should we care? It is true that the passage is about Christ for first century Palestine, and the analogy of this wedding is commonly used to signify the blessedness of endurance and access to heaven with Christ. See, this is where I agree and depart from every commentary that I studied. If anyone showed any amount of endurance, 
It was the five foolish women who went searching at midnight for more oil. They went out and returned to a closed door, most likely amongst scrutiny because the bridegroom had to say loud enough for them to hear, truly I tell you, I do not know you. See, my heart goes out to these women, not because they were unprepared, but because they were denied access to a coveted space. I think about how we study the scriptures as a whole, and we have access to all other writings and theology and commentators and intellect and naysayers. But unlike the first century Palestines, We were able to read and retell the entire story of God as a whole, not merely as a pericope or a form that's cohesive that tells one particular story. When I think of these five foolish women, I think of Christ in the Beatitudes when he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, because I can only imagine their mourning when they get to the door and they are not allowed access. Blessed are the meek, for they inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure of heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. These five foolish women are the topic of our passage. I believe these women should be recognized as more than mere fools. They did not know enough to be prepared beforehand. But see, we know enough of their story to make sure that it does not happen to us, that it does not happen to those whom we love, that it does not happen to our communities, that everyone has an opportunity to be introduced to Christ. See, preparing for Christ is one of the utmost important things in our lives, in the lives of our children, in the lives within our communities. I'm reading a book called The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, a professor at the University of Virginia. He studies morality and emotion, and he says in so many words that we judge and then we reason. Instead of reasoning and then judging. And I admit I am guilty of judging this passage in light of what I understand about God through the scriptures, God through my own personal experiences, God through the traditions of our United Methodist Church. I understand, but I judge this passage and all that was written in it without knowing the stories behind these women. But see, hear the good news. This is where God's grace kicks in to remind me and us that at some point we will all experience a time when we are fanning a dying flame, when we will need the help of someone's lamp who is burning brightly 
that they should embrace us instead of sending us on our way to find our own oil. There are conflicting suggestions that the oil represents such things as good works and faith and grace or the Holy Spirit because they cannot be bought. They are gifts to us from God. I believe this burning oil lamp is the light of Jesus Christ already purchased at a price. And we are all standing together with our lamps trimmed, not to light the path for ourselves, but to light the pathway to Christ for someone else. It is during this Advent season that we wait in expectation of God's gift to the world. And because we are receivers of this gift, we wait without judging to help those who are enduring, to also be declared the wise. We are not fools. Fools for Christ, yes. But we have a heart for those who are enduring. Let us not judge. And as faithful disciples in the midst of the business of our lives and our faith in Christ and our prayer and meditation time, our study and our ministries and service to the least of these. Let us remember that oftentimes it is so easy for us to slip to the back burner all of the things that we stand for when it comes to our relationship with God. We can wade through the intricacies of life being unprepared for what comes up. Even in times of celebration, like this wedding festival, there were people knocking outside the door. And it is God's grace that gives us the ability to open that door. So hear the good news. We are more than a declaration of faith. We are grace-filled, compassionate people who demonstrate for our love for the other, the other family, the other cultures, the other ethnicities, the other side of politics, that we are called through God's never-ending grace to be faithful while we watch for those who need oil for their lamps. We serve the bridegroom, the church, and the bridesmaids, Christ. We serve them both. But as we finally wait to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, let our lamps be trimmed let us be willing to pass our oil along without judgment. Let us be prepared to light the path for others in Jesus Christ. Let us not grow weary in doing good. We are called to keep our lamps trimmed for others. They are not for ourselves. And they constantly need to be adorned and ready to share. 
Share your oil. Share your light of Christ. Share the Holy Spirit. Share your story with someone else. For in 1 John chapter 3, 14 and verse 16 say, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. We know love by this that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Five foolish women with an opportunity because of God's grace to have an invitation to the banquet. Keep your lamps trimmed. Not for you, but for someone else. The word of God for the people of God.